Hello, and welcome to episode 142 of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and this week, as it is the last podcast of 2016 for Not Your Mama's Gamer, we thought it'd be fun to pull together some of our favorite segments from this year's shows. So I kind of... uh, shall we say, roped in <laughs> uh, Alicia Carabinas, Ashley Velasquez, and Jinx Boyne to talk about their favorite episodes or favorite segments or snippets of episodes. And we got everything from uh, Alicia talking about um, Jinx's, shall we say, discussion of Final Fantasy fifteen uh, to Ashley's uh moving account of uh, our wonderful interview with Amy Fredine, cultural liaison for Never Alone, uh, and Jinx's, Jinx, who gave us two great uh, pieces, uh, one where we talked about representation um, and what was going on in the world, uh, and a second one where was our last episode where we talked about things that we wanted for ourselves uh, for Christmas or Giftmas as we called it. And then uh, finally, I added my own little, I added my own little snippet. Um, and of course, I went ahead and added something uh, from our interview with Joshua Edwards, um, who works for Blind Squirrel and works on the Mafia 3 game. Of course, mine would have to do with Mafia 3. So kick back, relax, listen to the listen to the segments that follow, and have a great new year, folks. So I find it really hard to pick a best segment because while well, 2016 was definitely a total tire fire, our podcast was lit. I mean, this year we had an episode called Sometimes We Study Vaginas. I'm not sure we're ever going to top that, but also 2016 saw the birth of my signature podcast song, Everything is Awful, Uh, and we had tons and tons and tons of great guests, wild guests. We had Emma Vosen and Andre Brock talking about game studies with us. We had friends of the show like Deb Budding, like Nico Apple Cider Witch, like Gil Amogi. We had people doing amazing work on amazing games like Never Alone, The Flame and the Flood, Mafia 3. And this year, we had Lauren Stone and Travis Stout, and we got an announcement of State of Decay 2. So, you know, that makes my year. I don't know about y'all, but I'm good. So, episodes I really enjoyed, though, above and beyond the rest, which were all really good. Uh, Episode 120, back in February, when we talked about Who's Your Daddy? That game, such garbage. Uh, But we had a really good time. We had fun on our Halloween episode, even though I completely cried like an asshole while talking about Black Mirror. Uh, But I think that my favorite moment of the entire year probably came in episode 138, pretty recently, uh, which has some great spots anyway, talking about the mishmash of ReCore and about the lack of originality in games. We talked about Pokemon. We talked about Sailor Moon. But the high moment for me, the best moment, came when Jinx went off on Final Fantasy XV. It's about uh, 58 minutes in, and when Jinx starts talking about Moon Moon, I lost it. Jinx, our lovely Jinx, is so nice. Jinx is nice. Jinx is kind. Jinx wants to be helpful. Jinx apologizes for having opinions, but this time they just lost all their business and it was glorious. Jinx, do it more. Do it again. I love you. Please go all in. Yeah, I'm getting that way because so many of the games, I'm like, I'm I'm a JRPG fan. All of the games I play have sequels and I get it, but I'm at the stage where it's just like, why do I play this one? Like, what is the difference? Ah, is it time? Is it time? Is the time come? I'm not purposely trying to go back to this no, game. No, I'm ready. Let's talk about it. Final Fantasy oh. 15. I'm going to go ahead and say that shit should have been final a whole long time ago. I, I just... Been. I just... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to go it. into a rant. Here Do we it. go. First of all, the game that they promised me 
10 and a half years ago is not what's coming out. First of all, this is a completely different game. They don't have no right really to use the same names. Second of all, the names are awful. Um, but I won't go into that because like it's Square Enix. They just throw names at a dartboard and hope for the best. <laughs> um, my favorite character's name is Cloud. I'll give that up, okay? Like, I get it. They're not great with names. But, like, one one thing, like, if it takes you 10 years to get a game, and before the game comes out, you have to release an anime, a movie, a novel, and a comic to explain okay. the world. Can we talk about the animation on the movie, though? Because it looks good. Okay, there's one thing. You, you already <laughs> talked about this for years. It looks pretty. It is shit. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. It'll be shit. The yeah. music is beautiful. They have a great mm -hmm. soundtrack. It is so beautiful. We're getting to the point where it, like looking at real people is uncanny because they did such a good job, right? With people. Mm -hmm. I love the way let's like Kingsglaive. Yes, I get it. It looks beautiful. I have seen the script. The script is shit. It is so funny to read because it reads so badly. No one talks like that. No, no, uh, thank you. Yeah, talks like that. Like you, like okay. And I sit here and I. Everyone hates thirteen and the, that series. And I get it. I know what's wrong with it. But like even the writing in that was more believable than the shit that fifteen is. Right? Like it's like somebody just like vomited up a script and was like, oh, hey, this will do. And then they like tore it up with scissors and put it back together again. They're like, ah, oh, this is better. Did you write? And then like you're gonna systematically cut out every female character that you have, and yep. just conglomerate them into one person that you're gonna name Luna Freya. Like yep. you named her Moon Moon. Her name is Moon Moon. <laughs> <laughs> you you took all of your female characters. You had six. You put them all together into a character you named Moon Moon. <laughs> oh my god and, and she looks kind of interesting but then they just like cut her like they just make her into nothing and and it's just like okay well okay then we have we finally have a Sid and Sid is female and that was so exciting and then you, you what did you do to her? Sid is wearing like a towel though like a bandana. No her name's Sydney we can't even call her Sid they changed her name to yeah. Sydney because Sid can't be a girl's name I guess and then they yeah and like all of the poses of her bent over a car and I'm like no engineer works on things like that. I'm like what is this a beer commercial from 1984? Yeah. And like, and okay, like, let's just have a bunch of like, you know, let's queer bait the whole thing. There, none of them are gonna be gay, but you're gonna sit there and make the whole thing look gay as fuck. And it's a, just a road trip between a boy band, and like, <laughs> oh I'm like super angry because because Carbuncle is a fanatic fox, and that's like my weakness, and I want to play the game for the fucking Carbuncle. And I'm like, no, don't do this to me. And and then okay, I have had friends who have done this grunt work for me like you were talking about how you wish you had people who would do the grunt work for me i'm like i'm seriously sitting up on a hill watching the nuclear fallout with popcorn and they're like narrating to me what's going on and like i have friends who watch king's glaive three or four times so they could tell me everything that was wrong with it i'm i'm so thankful for these people because i'm waiting to watch it and um and my partner and i are going to drunk stream it and that's going to be fun. We're going to figure out how to watch this damn thing. And we're going to drunk stream it. Because I won't be able to stay damn. sober watching this. Damn. I'm so angry yeah. about this game. You have no idea. First of all. I mean, not first of all. I'm like at like point seventeen right now. Right? <laughs> like This game was supposed to be in parallel with two other games. With Type 0 and with 13, the whole thing. It's part of a compilation. It's a part of a thing. And they took it out and it made the other two stories fail. Like, seriously, you can't do that. You kicked two other things under the fucking bus for a game that you haven't even released yet, and it's shit. It's not even good, and I have people coming and saying, it's gonna be the best game ever. I'm like, you fucking dude, bro, shut up. Like, look at this game in front of you. The main character is worthless. Nobody's even interested in him. They're more interested in, like, these side characters that keep getting killed off or having no characterization. They did the same thing in Kinsglaive. There's a, there's a female glaive that's what they're called and they just like killed her in the like halo reach fashion right it's, it's like oh you're really interesting and useful we have to kill you for no reason i'm still bitter about cat mm -hmm. um i'm sorry i just i have had 10 years of rage i was promising <laughs> for graduation of high school i graduated college and got a job before it came out um it was announced my freshman year in high school all right my sophomore year in high school 
Can we make Jinx mad more often? No, no. Exactly this is like uh, this is an incoherent rant about like Square Enix. What the fuck are you doing? Like honestly, the last game I'm gonna play by Square Enix is gonna be this Final Fantasy VII remaster. And yes, I know it's a remaster, but it's it's Seven's so the, the the second game I got into playing. It's like fine, okay, that's it, and then I'm done because like if they can't they can't recover from what they're doing with Fifteen. Like it's gonna break them. People are gonna get it, and they're just like, "What is this shit?" And it's just gonna sink them so fast. It's got. It's got to. This game yeah. is still gonna be so fucking horrible. But there's nothing like even everyone like, even the fan artists on Tumblr, because I'm still on that toxic website, are saying, "Oh, the thing is horrible." But we're drawing the people because the people's character designs are pretty. This but is the problem. In it. This is <laughs> the problem with gamers, and I'm gonna use that word very specifically. And I'm, this is all of us. This is our problem. We say, "Oh," but every time, over and over, <laughs> we don't want. Who fucking wanted Gears of War four? Did anybody ask for that? Raise your fucking hand if you asked for that. But I, uh, man, wait, let me, I let me honestly hang on. think this will take but them over. I'm really worried about that. I'm like, Let's I don't roll. know why they can't see how bad this is going to be. Like, every decision they've made up Jinx. to this point has been kicked back by all of the people who play their shit. Jinx. Right? They're all, all right, one second. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. I still love you. But we spend $100 on Gears, and we say, oh, no. Final Fantasy 15 is fucking garbage. Like, it is a literal garbage fire. And then we dance around the garbage fire because we say, well, this is what we got and we're attached to it. And so nostalgia. So that's going to be okay. I'm going to say something very controversial right now. And everybody in our audience probably gonna hate me. You know what? Stranger Things wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. The actors were great. They did a really good job with the performance. The show, the arc of the show, not that good. But because it is linked to nostalgia and right now we are so fucking attached to the things that we know and so into nostalgia, people lapped that shit up like it was a dish of milk and asked for more. And that is the problem with Final Fantasy XV because it's Final Fantasy and, well, it's going to have some zippers and shit and magic and carbuncle and this and that and we're going to like it and it's all that we have. So we will accept it at some point. We have got to say... No, we're not going to buy the Destiny. It's still not a game after all this time. No, <laughs> we're not going to buy. We're not going to spend $100 on fucking Gears 4 so we can shoot shit that we can shoot in other games. And we're not going to draw the art. And we're not going to buy Final Fantasy XV. And we're not going to go there. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, well, people aren't going to do that. Yeah, yeah I know. That's, that's the problem. The they're going to buy... They're going to buy Gears of War 4 four days early for $100. And so nobody has to get better. The, the They're companies buy don't have to get better. a remaster of Skyrim that's five fucking years old for $60, the price of a new game. They're going to keep buying DLC for shitty games in the hopes that possibly that next 30 bucks they drop is going to make it better. <laughs> And, and so they don't have to write better dialogue. They don't no. have to dress their female characters. They don't have to create narrative arcs. But they don't have well, to. I don't get, and I have to bring it back. I always bring it back Do to it. Supergiant. But, like, I just, I don't get it because that those games are so strong. There's plenty of good it. examples. I know. I, I bring it back to Transistor because it's the one that won't leave me alone. Um, it's like, I mean, the one I, when we played not long ago, Firewatch was so good. Mm-hmm. And those games yeah, can still exist yeah. because it's the ones that sell 100,000, 200,000, 500,000 units in a week that matter. Exactly. And they're going to keep making those and they're going to stick to formulas and they're going to lean on nostalgia and name mm -hmm. because that but makes then, them money. I'm so sorry. I'm going to just like, why is Nier getting a sequel then? This is a game that nobody bought. Like it didn't sell well. They didn't. They released an unfinished game. Like labor of love. Is it? That one's going to break it. it. Or is it the fact that nobody bought it in the U.S. Because it wasn't really one, popular mm. in Japan either, because it wasn't finished over there either, from what I've understood. I and maybe I just haven't done my research, but like, it didn't see it. I mean, everything that I've read about it was like it. It was good for what we got, but we didn't get a finished game. 
Yeah, it's just the big question is is how many units did it sell? I guess that's I always a big question. That. I mean, because I mean, Call of Duty games still have a two-hour campaign, three hours tops. I I don't even buy Call of Duty games if I want to for some whatever strange reason play the campaign because I know that I can rent it and play the entire campaign in one night and that I would never play the game online. Now that being said, those fucking games still sell literally in one month or less half a billion copies and it's the just, same game just shit, sometimes they make it worse yes yeah. yes <laughs> i mean it is the same game just transported to a different sandy environment we're gonna kill different brown people this time you guys that are I, that are doing some kind of weird some kind so of weird much. wants to sound like islamic chant um while we run around in male bodies, unless we're playing multiplayer, then we might give you a female body. Um, and here's the other thing. A lot of the AAA games that we get ship unfinished. So we don't even complain about that shit anymore. I mean, we complain, but we still pony up the dollars. Yep. So Nier could be unfinished all it wanted. Fuck it. Who cares? That's the industry. I mean, but that the Nier came out in 2000 and three like when it came out like it was outcried like most people returned it that i knew of. oh yeah yeah then but since then it has built up some following yeah it's a and now nobody things. cares as much anymore yeah nope people I are more know. than willing i just more than willing since to since download like five gigabat giga gigabyte patches on the first day yeah giga what i just say I don't know. I wonder. I don't, I don't play games when they release anymore. And I mean, I never yeah. did, but I feel like I'm in the best camp, right? <laughs> Everything's super cheap and everybody hates it already, so I can just play it by myself. So my favorite podcast that we did this year was episode 128, where we talked about Never Alone with Amy Frieden. Um, first of all, Never Alone is probably one of my favorite games one for sentimental purposes because it's one of the first games I played once I got my xbox just a little over a year ago and two I really loved the cultural context that it provided um the little snippets of the cultural history uh recordings between from the ancestors with intertwined with the gameplay really made an exceptional experience for me um so besides the sentimental reasons for just loving the game, loving the context, seeing that there's really no other game out there like this, um, I was able to learn more about how the game came about and the connection between the community and the game developers and the Anubiat people. Um, and the interconnectedness was just so awe-inspiring for me. I remember after the podcast that Bianca and I were just talking about how like, there were points in times where we were just crying. Um, hearing these stories and how the game was being used to teach the younger generation of Alaska natives about their history, about where they come from and and their people. And to have a game that's so focused on representation um, as a woman of color, it's often difficult to find games where I feel represented. And I, I know I've talked about this before um, a lot, especially when it comes to, like hair texture. And to see that there's this, this video game geared towards and targeted towards these groups of kids was just amazing to me. And I'm just waiting for more video games like this, um, especially from the perspective of education and wanting to bring these types of games into my own writing classrooms to engage with my students and talk about intercultural awareness and what this means and um, just a new avenue for using video games and playing video games um, just kind of was mind-blowing. How was how is this particular story chosen? Because uh, the story is, is extremely engaging. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's perfect for a video game. Um, how was this this particular story chosen? One, um, and then I'm going to bounce and ask a second question that kind of uh, piggybacks off of that. In, in this traditional story, um, mm -hmm. is the, the protagonist, um, is it a female child or is that something that was adapted for the game? 
then I'll give you a heads up that it was definitely adapted. But I think this is one of the most amazing things about this process is that, you know, we started off with saying, here are a bunch of gifts from the history of our people. And we literally sent down a giant box of uh, stories that had been transcribed. And they range, you know, from transcriptions that were as old as the 50s to as recent as the, you know, you know, 2000s. And um, we sent the box and we had representation from all areas of Alaska. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, the team just devoured those books. They read them and our stories are a little odd, you know, (laughs) we're really obtuse. Um, You know, a story can be as short as there once was a man who lived in a village and one day he went out on a boat by himself and he stayed there. And that's it. That's all you get. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's one of the things about storytelling in Alaska Native culture is that it didn't wasn't necessarily always the exact same words, and it wasn't always the exact message, even if the words were similar. Yeah. Is that our stories were in the oral tradition because we didn't have a written language before Western contact, and so the storyteller would take that theme or that underlying, you know, storyline and weave into into it the lessons they wanted the listeners to connect to. So there might be someone in the village that they're telling after the dances the story for, and they're like, this person's struggling. I'm going to give them this message. And literally, that person may not hear it, but like that story about in the boat, I heard it when from my aunt when I was younger. And, you know, it hit me 10 years later. I'm like, holy crap, that's what she was trying to make me see in him. <laughs> I was complaining about something and she's like, well, here's something you need to hear. And I didn't connect to it then, but that's the thing is that each storyteller tells it different. And so the story of never alone is based on the story called Kunuk Sayuka and um, it provides the spine of the gameplay. So it really is that story about some, the protagonist setting out to figure out the source of an endless blizzard mm-hmm. and the beginning and end, you know, are very, very much reflective of that story. But that story really takes about at the most seven to 10 minutes to tell <laughs> it's a short story. And so, um, we had a lot of thinking to do. And the first thinking a point we had was how do we get the appropriate permission to utilize this story? Kanuk Sayuka. Um, so we knew that the storyteller Robert Nazareth Cleveland uh, was associated with the transcribing and the storyteller who spoke as it was being transcribed. So really, he was the holder of that story, but he had passed away years ago. And so we knew we had to find his eldest surviving child. Um, and her name is Minnie Gray, and she is an elder, you know, in her 80s now and a cultural treasure and a really great storyteller herself. Um, so we had to find her, and it wasn't easy. I mean, we knew she was born in Ambler, so we looked in Ambler, you know, called around, see who could find her. She wasn't living there. We knew she had lived with her daughter in Fairbanks at one point, so we looked around there, couldn't find her. Literally, you know, a couple months after we started looking for Minnie Gray, it turned out she was a block and a half down from my office living with her other daughter. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. And it was such a blessing, though. I mean, it, it was neat because I got to go down and have tea, and she would share her dry fish with me. And, you know, I went in going, oh, my gosh, she's in her 80s. I don't know if she even knows what a video game is. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> We walk in there. She, you know, she speaks primarily in Nupiak. So her gracious daughter um, helped translate when she was struggling with understanding some of the terms. And, you know, she, you know, we were sitting in the apartment having tea and talking about it. And I was sharing some of the concept art with her. And, you know, she looked around the apartment. She had all these grandkids and great grandkids running around. Some of them with even, you know, talking, you know, or texting on their iPhones and others, you know, running around um, playing little mobile game devices. Uh And she's like, well, of course you should use this story. How else are they going to hear it? You know, (laughs) and it was really a blessing. And, you know, we we worked with her throughout the making of the game. So when we realized that that short story wasn't enough gameplay, we went back to her and we said, 
you know, we know there are other recurring themes in all Alaskan Native stories that we want to weave in, like the spirit helpers and transformation mm-hmm. and some of those really beautiful story components. And we asked her if it was okay if we expanded on the story. And she's like, well, duh. Well, she didn't say that, but basically, <laughs> the same, uh, you know, this is what all storytellers do is that they use the story to, you know, deliver a message. And so they may use it a different cadence. They may use a different tone. They may weave in different words or emphasize different parts of the story so that that person who needs to hear that message connects with it. And so we, it was an amazing process because between Minnie Gray and Ishmael Hope, we are able to bring the heart of so many recurring themes into this game. And I think you saw it in some of the gameplay with the value of interdependence was the cornerstone of this game. Mm. Um, and that was actually a directive um, from Cook and the Tribal Council's board is that you need to make sure that you don't create this place where our kids are isolated playing this game, that they feel the interdependence with someone else, with their culture, with their values. And so interdependence became the cornerstone. And this story was a perfect way to do that. But we had to modify it a little bit. That's really interesting. So then the mechanics of the game there of, you know, being able to switch back and forth or having that co-op play is, is then totally intentional and it was, important for the actual storytelling, too. It was. It was a critical piece of it. And it took a while to find those right, command, uh, you know, mechanics in the game and even mm-hmm. the characters. So, you know, there was a few decision points we had, girl or boy, because in Kanuk Sayuka, it was a, you know, a young man. And then mm-hmm. in the he didn't have a companion character, but knew we had to incorporate one. So we looked at different things like a wolf or, um, you know, a rabbit and a fox, obviously. <laughs> and we brought the decision back to the community of Barrow, Alaska. And honestly, it was a hard discussion, you know. Really? Yeah, because as game developers, you know, Sean Veshi, who was the lead, um, you know, on the game development team, you know, he had two young girls. He had worked on games like Laura Croft, right? And okay. so he wanted to have something with, that was positive that he did that he could share with his girls. And we knew that there was, you know, not very many super positive images of young women, much less Alaska Native right. young women. And video mm-hmm. games, you know, what we'd seen out there for Native Americans was appropriated, it was offensive, yes. or it just mm-hmm. wasn't authentic. Um, mm-hmm. So we went up to Barrow, and we talked to them about that. And, you know, at first, they're like, you know what, we really like it to be a young man, not because the story was a young man, but it was because our young men for Alaska Native people, they're falling between the cracks. You know, mm-hmm. you know we have the lowest graduation rate in the Anchorage School District. We finally hit 50% graduation rate for uh, our entire Alaska Native population, and our young men are still graduating at a rate below that. Our young men below 21 are five times as likely to commit suicide. And this is what our people know, and they're like, well, why wouldn't you show a man? Why wouldn't you show a young boy succeeding? And so, you know, we really talked about it and then we brought it back to the youth. We let them play the character as a girl. And what we found is that the boys didn't mind playing a girl and it seemed like they're almost protective of the girl when they're playing the game, which is another value that we wanted everyone to embrace was, you know, working with each other and protecting each other. So Mm. in the end, the community got behind it um, and they really liked the way it came out, especially with the Fox character being a companion character. And we all know at the beginning that this Fox character, it's ambiguous. Who is this Fox? What's he doing? Yeah. You know, is it a guy or a girl? Um, and having that relationship helped solve some of those issues we initially yeah. came up against. Hi everyone, um, it's me, it's, it's Jinx. 
Uh, so this is my segment for um, the the recap, and I was supposed to pick a um, favorite segment of the podcast, right? So I do actually, I did find two segments. Um, I know Sam only said one, but uh, it takes a bit of explanation why I picked these two. Um, so if you are a routine listener, you know that I, I came in for the first time at um, episode 129, which was on Stardew Valley. I think the title was Gay Farming something, something, something. Um, and uh, that that whole episode was a lot of fun. It was really lighthearted. Um, and it was re- really fun for me because it was like, this was my first real podcast. I had done podcasts for like assignments before. But this was like my first time. And so like I, to get like a podcast named after something that you said on your first time going was really awesome and you know selfishly kind of you know gave me a little bit of an ego boost but something that happened within that podcast realized made me realize that I was finding my community and I was like really accepted among the NYMG uh, folks um, and this was after I'd written a couple articles and everything, so you'd think I would have figured that out earlier. But just, like, really being in that situation, having been invited to speak, meant so much to me. Um, and it kind of felt like I was getting a chance to kind of start having a voice in the trans community and speaking about us. Not for us, but just getting the voice out there. Um... And that leads into actually the first segment. It wasn't from episode 129, but it was from episode 131, which was gamer classes and gamer personalities. What kind of gamer are you? Um, And near the end there, Alicia actually started talking about, um, well, representation in games. It always comes up when I feel like when I'm on the podcast. I know it comes up more often when I'm not also. But in that time, uh, she talked about, and Sam started talking about, like, the importance of people being represented in games. Um, And it was really impassioned, and, I mean, we were all crying by the end of it. I think I was crying so much that I ended up having to mute. Um, and 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 afterwards, and this is something that wasn't reflected in the actual recording, but afterwards just the conversation to get us back all into a stable ground. Um, it just, it made, meant so much to me. And then, so just like listening to Alicia and to Sam and to them always just talking about how important it is to see people, everyday people in games and represent them well, it meant, it really meant so much to me. It, and it, it'll stick with me and I always think about that. Um, and then kind of closing out the year, um, my other favorite segment was in episode 141, the one from two weeks ago, the All I Want for Giftmas 2016 edition, right at the end again, um, when I was talking about this difficult year, how it's been for me, how I've lost the ability to play games, and listening to Charlotte and Sam give me this kind of reminder that it's okay to play games when you're sad, it's okay to do things um and to to connect yourself to a game and let yourself be represented even if you're not there physically in the game if you don't see yourself but to allow yourself an emotional attachment to something especially when you're losing that in reality I don't know it gave me the sense of belonging that I was losing um and so I I can't wait for next year I'm excited and you know Maybe I'll catch up by then. Happy holidays, everyone. It's hard. I mean, it's hard. And you make a great point. You know, people want to say it's, it's only this. It's only that. But it becomes a larger question for the gamers playing the games. It becomes a larger question for the underrepresented person playing the game, it becomes a larger question 
for, I mean, and, and I use this example all the time, right? Because a lot of times what happens is you get, because, you know, being in central Indiana and I've been here, oh, Jesus Christ, almost 20 years, right? You can easily run into still in central Indiana, some of these kids from these little tiny towns in central Indiana who have never had any real meaningful yeah. interactions with people of color. Yes. When they come to campus and they're the only thing that they think they know about people of color is what they've seen on television and what they've encountered in video games. And if they get to school and they finally see like three or four black people, cause it ain't like Purdue has a huge minority population. Ooh. Then how, how, if they've never seen people of color in their games, in their media, in their books, in their television shows, in whatever, how do they know how to be any other way than maybe their parents have been? How do we teach them? We just tell them, don't act like that. That's not enough. You can't just tell people how to be. Especially since we're all just liberal asshole professors anyway. Sorry. (laughs) I'm trans though. That makes me liberal. Right. (laughs) But it's it's the same thing. Because like the first trans person I ever saw was Angel in Rent. Yeah. That was the first time I ever saw a trans person. And I got grounded for watching Rent. Hmm. Because, you know, it had gay people in it and black people saying stuff, you know. But like. I don't know. I was fortunate. I lived in Fort Wayne. It's not that we have a huge, the the minority population in my school, we could count all the black kids, but we had them, I guess. But the, uh, but I worked with the Burmese population. So at least I knew how to deal with people, but I'm not, I'm not good at it. And you guys have to correct me with all stuff about it. And I'm sorry, but that's the thing is like, I didn't have that representation. And so I treated people like shit and I'm not proud of it. I'm hoping I'm getting better. But it, we, the representation that I got was through video games, like Sergeant Johnson in Halo 1 and Halo 2. There was my black guy. And I mean, like, that's all I had. And that's not good. That's not, it's not good at all. No. Yeah. And, and, like, I was pissed. And my partner and my friend had to see me do it when I opened up Pokemon Go. And I could not be a transfer. I couldn't be me. I couldn't. I couldn't be Sam. I couldn't be anybody. You have to make and, a choice then. Like how much you'll tolerate. And this is constant choice making of, well, I guess I'll deal with it this time. Well, and this is what I saw a lot on social media. Well, it's better than some of their other games. Yeah. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. I mean, and it, 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 it's better. It was quote unquote better than some of their games, but then at the same time, it's also worse than some of their games, right? Yeah. Because when you when and that was the, that was the thing that I was like so pissed about last night. It was like so one, you have to choose. There's one. There's one body type. There's there is a thin male body type and a thin female body type. That's it. You get one of the two. There's no in between. There is no androgynous or ambiguous character to choose from. It's one of the two. Then, like I said, you get one of four skin tones. You get one of four skin tones that you then choose. There are are two hairstyles. There's a male hairstyle and a female hairstyle. The only thing you can do is choose like black, blonde, brown, red, or gray, maybe? Huh? Blue and purple. Blue and purple. Yeah, blue and purple. I'm trying to remember if gray was one of the options. Yeah, you got the SJW colors. <laughs> you got the SJW colors. Right. So you have you have these choices. And it, it, there are certain things. And, and Jinx and I have talked about this before, right, in terms of when we when, – because we play a lot of these Pokemon-type games or these 3DS games that are, you know, coming out of Japan. And so – we talk about, okay, so do you choose the male body or the female body? Because you got to choose one. And I'm like, I never, I never end up choosing the female body because female bodies always have skirts. Um, but this one was a little better. Not as that was sarcasm and that she had on shorts and tights, which was just as fucking bad. But <laughs> so you have to, I was like, I never choose the, the female body. I always choose the male body person because that is closer to who I am. 
in terms of how I think I present. And at the same time, so then you, then it becomes a downhill struggle, especially with Pokemon Go from there, because you can't change the body size. So you have to be thin, which I'm not right. Then you got to be one of these four skin tones, none of which match me. Then I've got to have one of one. I've got to not one of anything, but this one hairstyle, <laughs> which is straight and long, which my hair is not. So there's nothing of me. Yeah, it's the love of Pokemans. <laughs> That's all you got. I, I was gonna say I look closer to some of the Pokemans, maybe. <laughs> but people talk about erasure. I mean, that's the definition. Like that's 2016 version of erasing people. You know, yeah. you don't even have the option. It just doesn't exist. Nope. It just doesn't exist. It, well, something here has got to change. And I'm not saying like, if we change video games, suddenly people will stop dying. But I mean, we have to change all the things. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that has to change. There's a lot of shit that needs to change. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's scary. And the way thing. we see each other as human beings is one of those oh, things. Oh, shit, yes. Is the, the police officer who shot Castile did it because he was afraid of a black man. There was no other reason in that moment. He did not see him as a man as a human with a life and a child in the backseat. That. Only saw him as a threat. With a child in the backseat. As a parent, that will bring me to tears every time I think of it. With a child in the backseat. Who then had to comfort her mother. Yes. It's okay, Mama. I'm here for you. Oh, God. Okay. I'm sorry I brought this up. I really am. But I feel like it needs to be said over and over and over and over. We have to do something. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Ooh. Thanks, Alicia. That sure. was a upper. You're, you're <laughs> no. On that chipper note. <laughs> it was a good talk, though. next time maybe we won't have to talk about murder maybe we can talk about something else for a day for a day I'm I'm gonna say one more selfish thing that I want for Christmas okay I want the motivation to play games because I haven't had it um um yeah, I want to be able to play all these games. And all the the Well, what about uh, The Last Guardian? You feeling motivated to play that? Kind of, but I'm also a little not, you know? It's now it's now it's here now like the hype like the hype that I made for myself is kind of gone and I realized the person I want to play it with isn't here. And I offered to stream it and he's like, "Oh, it wouldn't be the same, so, you know, just enjoy it on your own and then we'll play it when I get back." And I know he didn't mean it in the wrong, like this way, but it killed it. Like, I don't want to do it now. I want to wait until he gets here so we can play it together, you know? Mm. But I don't, like, also, it's like, you know, what's another six months? (laughs) To 10 years, you know? But I I know I should, especially with this one. Um, I mean, like, I'm already waiting on Sun and Moon um, for him to get back and and certain other games, right? Like, I, I think I'll be getting near Automata, but I won't be playing it until he gets here. That sort of stuff. So I think I should give myself this one, but I, I got to get myself over the uh, 
the initial hump of putting the game in, right? You know? So we'll see. My goal for this weekend, you know, I, I won't say I'll, I can beat it because I'm, I'm a slow gamer regardless, but I'm, I'm hoping to play it all weekend. I even asked Monday off <laughs> to play it. But hopefully I don't just start it Monday. <laughs> well, Sorry. Started this week, you started yeah. this weekend and you can tell us all about it. You can stream it for us. I, I may. I may stream it. I'm scared to stream it because I'm scared I'll just be crying mess the whole time. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jerks, what is your opinion? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty. I don't even know what it sounds like. I can't remember the trailer. I didn't let myself rewatch the trailer. I was just like, no, I'm com- it's coming to my house. I'm like, and now I'm crying thinking about it. Oh, I shit. think you should play it. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope to. I mean, like, I. Uh, my poor, like my roommate won't be here tomorrow, and my and my partner will be busy. So I'll be like, okay, I have no excuse. I'm gonna start it. I um, think as far as like motivation goes, I mean, I hear you completely. But sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't want to play with Legos, and then I'll sit there and like start, and then the next thing I know, like eight hours are gone. Well, yeah, and that was what I tried to do with um, like Tomorrow Children and and Let It Die and stuff. And I downloaded Let It Die with the intention to play it, and then I never did this week. Um, and like Tomorrow Children was interesting enough to keep me wanting to play it but i was just like eh, there's no reason and i turned it off yeah but um, i mean like something like last last guardians that was called yeah where that you're really into i think maybe if you just play it you'll or like start playing it then you'll get into it here's hoping here's hoping. thank you sorry i didn't mean to no i totally get it because i do that sometimes and i'm like i should really play with legos because i know it'll make me feel better but i don't want to and then i just sort of make myself and then 15 minutes later i'm like really into it yeah so why is the one thing i know will make me feel better so hard to be the thing you know to actually do all right the mind Sorry. is a mysterious thing yeah mine's defective can i get anyone yeah me too <laughs> me too my gaming year for 2016 revolved around one game That game, of course, is Mafia 3. It didn't revolve so much around playing Mafia 3, at least not at first, but really about the hype surrounding the game. This was a game that promised to be revolutionary in so many ways. First, we were really excited about the fact that this was a game that might actually give us something akin to mm, accurate representation, at least for the time. And then second, because this was a game that was dealing with um, a politically and historically kind of volatile moment in U.S. history. So when the game came out, um, I was really excited and I played a lot of the game. Uh, And I also wrote a lot about the game, not only for Not Your Mama's Gamer, but also for scholarly venues. And when we got the opportunity to talk to Joshua Edwards, from Blind Squirrel Games uh, about world building and some of the um, micro narratives within the game, we were super excited. So it's no surprise that the segments that I've chosen for today's podcast are exactly from that episode. So what I've tried to do, because there was so much going on in that podcast, is to pull together a number of excerpts um, and put them together in a way that is cohesive. So I invite you to not only listen to what follows, but also to go back and listen to the episode in its entirety. And I apologize in advance. There's a little choppiness in the full episode and not so much in this one um, because of a bad internet connection. So I hope you enjoy it. So one of the things, um, and we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the connections between uh, what was going on socially and politically in 1968 and the connections between what was going on now. There were a couple of moments, especially when they were, this was early in the game, right? When they were um, talking about the, um, the, the women who were being held as the thoroughbreds at yes. what's, what was at Perla's. Yes. Um, and so after and I don't know if it was just because of you know because of when I got in the car but I was driving around in one of the cars um and it was a call-in show and and this one guy was called had called in and he was talking about 
the fact that these women um, who were being held at Perla's um, were being, were, they were prostitutes, yes, but they were being reserved only for white men. Um, and, you know, because this was that the stable, right, that they were maintaining. Um, but the connections right. that he starts to draw between what's going on in Perla's and the history of sexual or sexualized slavery of women in color mm. in that area. I mean, it was like, I was like, okay, somebody really did their fucking homework. Right. Because it was, it was, I mean, so those kinds of conversations, like I said, because I did my, I actually did my thesis on um, women's slave narratives. Right. Mm. So, and I did lots of research, um, I did lots of, of course, because I did a thesis, so I had to do lots of research. <laughs> so I, I did lots of research, but to be able to to hear this and to know that people were just kind of fucking spot on was mm-hmm. incredibly impressive. Um, right. Because, uh, you know, I was like, you know, this is, this is what we need. You know, people like to complain, and, and I, I'm sure I'm about to get myself in trouble. Mm-hmm. Do it. Not with you, Joshua. okay (laughs) i hope not anyway (laughs) but you know with with folks right um i I get really pissed off when when i'm looking around and i'm i'm seeing that i won't say all but a lot of game critics and game reviewers who are not people of color are writing shit about how they just you know find it all so offensive <laughs> right right and i'm like <sighs> yeah all right it's so uh, that's actually one of the wildest things i actually had a conversation uh with someone recently about that very specific matter <laughs> where someone was like yeah i don't understand mafia three like like uh, you get you know uh pushed out of like restaurants like you can't even stand in a restaurant or else someone will call the cops on you you get called the n-word a lot like <laughs> like uh yeah you know like man they're like really blatant about i'm like, realize point <laughs> like like it's supposed to happen in the so they're not exactly gonna of those issues so and and that's a part of our history right is this problematic well yes because our history is problematic so <laughs> there's not much we could do on that that front right i mean that, that, and then, you know that's my thing i'm like they're like oh that's so offensive i, I don't understand it's just uh, you know there's so much use of the n-word and like you said you can't stand in a restaurant you can't do this you can't do that and i'm like hey welcome to our fucking reality okay <laughs> right may i yes ma'am all right so you're going to talk about why people offended. I'm going to address my fellow whiteies <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> Dear white people, <laughs> please stop. Stop talking. <laughs> stop acting all shocked. Put your pearls down. <laughs> sometimes, I know this is hard. Sometimes things are going to happen in games that don't always center exactly around you i know it's tough (laughs) but other people play games i know right uh and sometimes their perspectives on history are gonna be like real shit that y'all did that y'all forgot that you did or you didn't think was a big deal (laughs) so like all those times your grandparents did this stuff people were taking notes Mm. (laughs) here it is and guess what? Your friends do it too because that's how Donald Trump is the presidential nominee. Chill <laughs> so, the fuck out and play a fucking game. Maybe, Maybe you learned something. Maybe you learned something. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I just I, it makes me so mad when I read this bullshit. I would read this bullshit so often with so many games. And this, uh, it doesn't surprise me, but shut up, y'all. Sh- just stop. <laughs> well, that's like, you I'm know, done. Battlefield 1 is all blackwashed and shit. Oh my. <laughs> Bla- blackwashed. Blackwashed. <laughs> blackwashed. 
I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of my I don't people. think I've ever heard that term. It, it, nobody ever. has. You know why? Because some people made that shit up. Just making sure. I mean. Listen, I teach bad. English. I, I know what a word is made up. That is some made up <laughs> shit. <laughs> Black walk. That's word. Stop it, please. Oh, me. But yeah, I, I, I think the, you know, it, Mafia 3, I won't say it's a perfect game. I'll, I'll go on record to say that. But what it does do is that it, it, it definitely digs into those details, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, and, but the thing is, is that most of them will get missed because a lot of people are, uh, or, are pretty much surpassing them. Right, they're not playing the game in a, in an active light. They're playing them passively and just trying to get from mission to mission so they can beat the game, but not necessarily take part in the world that has been created for you to you know dig into for mm-hmm. the most part. Yeah, so that's just my take on it. I love the game. Personally. You know what? I, I think you're right because a lot of the stuff it, because it's so nuanced. That it would be if you're not paying attention, if you're not listening. Right. It is easy to miss. Right. Or even if you don't identify with it. That's what we need anyway. Right. So many games are like, and I'm not trying to to rip on game designers in general, Mm -hmm. but so many games are like slapdash thrown together and i know they're not like this every game represents teams of people in hundreds of hours of work but not all that work is on the surface and the surface sometimes is sloppy maybe they're rushed y'all aren't getting paid enough you guys are getting pushed into overtime you know the pressures on you are extreme you got marketing coming in and telling you bullshit that's not to stop stop with the marketing because it ain't true um I get it, but as also as a as a player, as a gamer who spends her very limited funds on games, I want games that are nuanced. I want games that have depth and things to notice and reasons to replay and take my time. Like I need more of that. I've been yeah, I mean, I've been talking about this. Oh, I'm sorry, real quick. I've been talking about this for a couple of podcasts, but I've been hate playing Deus Ex: Mankind <laughs> Divided, which is a fucking terrible game, and there is no reason to wander around that city and explore there's none mm-hmm. right in the video games and um there's how we as developers view the game because we're looking from the inside and then there's mm-hmm. how players view the game which is from the outside in mm-hmm. and um how most not all but most players view the game is through a almost purely emotional perspective meaning how they felt at certain moments. So, um, for example, take, uh, I don't know, Journey, right? Journey makes you feel pieces of dread in some location, some pieces of absolute wonder in some locations. But the entire, the entire time, it's mostly about like complete bewilderment. And, but who's to say how the developers... Um, you know, viewed their project, they may have intended for you to want those same emotions, but obviously there's no saying how they felt. Um, But to try to wrap it up in a nice little package, right? Um, From the game standpoint, as players, they understand the emotions. And sometimes the developers aren't able to bring those emotions as beats into their games. And I I think that's a big, that's, 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 seems to be a failure as out of like triple a titles in general in my opinion that the beats or the details are they they're lacking they're missing um and i think that mafia like from a narrative standpoint it it's able to to gather those beats and it's able to gather those like narrative details and even like throughout the world that was kind of like the micro missions that I was working on, sure that those like very small details were being about the game. How one person may play the game versus another. If you're just trying to play to beat it, right, just to get to the end, and that's your only goal, mm-hmm. you may not enjoy the game as much. And that's that's strong opinion. 
Yeah, because you, you're missing, you're missing all the good shit. You're missing, like you said, like I said, you, you're missing the, you're missing the stuff on the radio. You're missing. I mean, and it's not just stuff on the radio, but it's conversations that people are having on the street. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? I mean, you, you like it's like I've been like walking along on the street, not something, and, and I've done this a lot too. Just like walking around, because sometimes I'm like, oh, that's only like 300 clicks. I better go ahead and walk that because I could probably walk there faster than I can drive there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'm real bad at driving. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, in, in all seriousness, so sometimes just just to walk through the neighborhoods and to hear people talking, to hear people talking about personal romantic relationships to hear people talking about what went on at work to hear people talking about racism that they've experienced to hear people talk about sexism they've experienced to hear people talk about like the things that are going on in the world around them yeah these stories right if you don't listen to these stories you miss out on so much yeah um yeah, I mean, because I, when I play this game at, at night, I um I play with I play with headphones because I want to hear it all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that and the fact that I don't want my kid to like oh she like have nightmares because all she's hearing is people like shouting <laughs> racial slurs and, and gunshots. Can <laughs> 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 you imagine? No, I can't. <laughs> But, you know, kind of all of that stuff that comes together is like fucking phenomenal. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 142 of the Not Your Mama's a Gamer podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to some of our favorite uh, snippets from episodes of the 2016 podcast year. Um, and we here at Not Your Mama's Gamer wish you the warmest of holiday seasons and happy new year. And we can't wait to see what the new year brings for us, for games and for you. Have a great new year.